This is The Guardian. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself. And there's some stories I can tell you. This is The Final Word, Ashes Daily. Brought to you by Adam Collins, Jeff Lemon and me, Emma John. It may have been three and a half years since Steve Smith was last captain, but some things you just don't forget. Like how to declare. It's always seemed to come more naturally to Australians anyway, and there was certainly a practised ease to the hand gesture as Smith beckoned his batters back off the field in the final session. It's easy to look nonchalant, isn't it, with a first innings total of 473. After their disappointing first day in the field, England did do some things differently on day two, like bowling a fuller length. They also did some things the same, like not fielding very well. There were edges to slip throughout the day, but the slips were never standing in a position to catch them. And Ollie Robinson had to get Centurion Manus Lavashane out twice, first nicking behind off a noble, then shouldering arms to an inswinger. Smith led from the middle, upping the tempo first with Travis Head and then with Alex Carey. After yesterday's brief foray into leg theory, Ben Stokes was once again the engine of the England attack, this time aiming straight and at the stumps. But even his pistons started to falter from the effort. Carey lifted him over the square boundary to reach his maiden half-century, and Smith had reached 93 before James Anderson pinned him LBW. Lower-order larks from Mitchell Stark and Michael Neeser just added to the pain, and by the end of the day, when Australia invited them to bat again, it was almost inevitable that an exhausted, embattled England would fall back to their regular set list. It didn't matter how long Rory Burns took preparing his guard, he was still out to Stark in single figures. While it took Michael Neeser exactly two deliveries to come by his first test wicket of Hasib Hamid. Joe Root walked out to the crease at 12 for two before the Southern Hemisphere gods finally took pity on him and threw a few lightning bolts around just so he could have a rest. Also sheltering from lightning strikes right now are my colleagues Adam and Jeff, so let's head over to them in Adelaide. Thanks from Adelaide Oval to Emma John. Day two at the Adelaide Oval uh, and the script was perfected by Australia from day one. I remember saying this on the first day. All they wanted was to bat through the first day. It didn't matter what the score was. So they could have England bowling on the second day when it was 37, 38 degrees. Make them bowl until after the second break. Smash them around a bit at the end to clear and put them in and take a couple of wickets. It all happened. There was a moment where it looked like it might not. Three for 90 in the first session for England. It was a slightly better than break-even session and the only one they've had in the test match. But they couldn't get past Steve Smith and they couldn't get past Alex Carey in only a second test match he got the big home crowd ovation and those two just batted through and until they'd pretty much killed the first innings yeah you were spot on last night australia about five sessions but it's not only just that either it's batting five sessions batting in the hottest day today taking it deep enough that england couldn't open up even in twilight they're opening up in the dark we know how hard it is for batters to adjust uh, to their eyes early in an innings in day night test cricket the numbers bear that out so um, the perfect script from australia to be able to implement it the way they did was class and you're right, by the way. England did uh, account for themselves, I thought, really well in the first session. The problem was they're starting so far behind the game, having only taken two wickets yesterday, that a, a three for 90 session, which was probably better than break even, I thought they won the session, mm. but it needed to be five or six for 90 in order to bring them back to something nearing parity to, to throw Australia off course. Yeah. It did mean that it's they. A three for 90 is a win in a session if it's the first session of the match, not yes. so much when there's already 200 on the that, board. That, that's exactly it. So it meant that even though 
Australia were, I guess, some risk of being bowled out after the dinner break that they were in the, I suppose, the fourth hour of play, able to really put the foot down uh, in a really quite calculated way. Stephen Smith uh, made 93, I think it was, doesn't get to record 100 upon returning to the captaincy, but uh, a fine effort nevertheless. Labuschagne, it was probably, well, it was certainly his slowest test 100, mm -hmm. 92 balls slower than any other that he's made. I think he absorbed 280-odd deliveries to make it to three Sounds figures. Right. Uh, he was out early, uh, but it was overturned. Ollie Robinson overstepping, uh, but he was out three runs later, so oh. it didn't make, make an awful lot of difference in but the grand scheme moment, of things. But that moment, I hurt. mean, that, yeah. like, just psychologically, okay, you've had Butler drop him twice yeah. on the first day. Finally, Butler does take a catch off him, and Robinson's overstepped. It's a no ball. Then he brings up the 100. Then Robinson drops him at square leg when he plays the pull shot. And, like, yeah, it was a tough chance, but it was still fingertipped away. A better fielder might have got to that. So four chances that he'd got, uh, sort of three of them after reaching 95. Yeah. And he sort of scraped through to his 100. They finally got rid of him. And... I mean, the fact that then they run through a couple of wickets a bit more quickly. Joe Root gets a slightly fortunate one with Travis Head charging and missing the ball completely. It looks pretty ugly, but Head was just looking to smash quick runs at that yep. point. And then Ben Stokes bowls one of the only balls he would have bowled in the test match that would have hit the stumps, and it did. He gets a bit of outswing, yeah, beauty, goes yeah. past Cameron at Green's outside edge. But it makes you think, this guy's been bowling above head height for the entire test match. The first time he pitches one up. They knock somebody over. Yeah, again, I, I sort of return to what I said yesterday to an extent that they're using Stokes as the point of difference yeah. when he's actually, as a plan A bowler, pitch it up, hit the top of yeah. off. He's a fine specimen. You know, yes. he, he's always been a guy that can move it both ways. Feel a bit for Green. He got a beauty shouldering arms to Robinson first up last week at the Gabba. Gets one going the other way this week on two. That's getting most players out yeah. early on. Um, you know, straightening after pitching that yeah. middle and leg. I mean, it's a fine piece of bowling. So so, so be it for uh, the West Australian all-rounder. There'll be days he, when... He's got the luxury, though, that that doesn't really matter. Like, at this stage. I mean, especially with the foundation. Innings, in yeah. those two innings, it hasn't been important that he makes no, runs No, back to that Labuschagne uh, Warner union yep. yesterday. I mean, I think I might have mentioned it on our segment that 120 they're averaging together now, those two. And mm. if you're doing that, that makes everything so much easier for players like Smith to play themselves in. They yep. had to hit four boundaries out of 18 even. Like, you know, you can you can afford to play that way with a, with a lower degree of risk when yep. the top order do the work on day one. And so it was. And much the same with Australia's bowlers. When you're charging in with 473 uh, next to the team's yes. tally, you've got Jai Richardson beating uh -huh. the bat four times in the first over. Um, you've got uh, Michael Neeser able to run in with Australia already having a wicket on the board. Mitchell Stark uh, at Rory Burns, who's already becoming uh, a player. He's well and truly got the wood on. Burns didn't have a good day in the field either. You know, and Burns he's hasn't had a good day in the field for the whole series. He hasn't had a good day yet in he's the series. Almost every, I think every ball that I remember going to him in the cordon, because quite a few went on the bounce, he couldn't take one cleanly even on the bounce. He'd yeah. fumble them at leg slip. He was knocking them away yeah. for runs. Yeah. The number of, he gives away four overthrows with a horrible throw at the non-striker stumps that went nowhere near them, skimmed away, gave Steve Smith a five. Like he's he is all over the place for Rebirth. He desperately needed a not out seven tonight. Yeah. And in the end, that was um, far from it. He was out caught in the cordon for four and yep. Smith pouched that. And you know what? Root walks in at 12 for two. It could have been 12 for three. I mean, Root, again, lovely bit of bowling from Nisa, second up, finds the outside edge. For all money, it feels like it's mm -hmm. carrying to Smith in the cordon mm -hmm. again, but lands about six inches in front of his outstretched hands. And, yep. and so it goes. But And look, that's, that's good batting from Root to take some weight out of his bottom hand as contact was made. But nevertheless, Yep. It highlights just how difficult it is for Root 
at 12 for never, well, two for never enough yep. compared to Smith who's walking out there at two for plenty in this country time and time again. I mean, that's the, that is the divide between these teams. Yes, it's a question about selection. Yes, they're, they're, they're caught poorly. They've dropped eight chances already. Yes, they've been two overturned wickets with no balls. I'm probably mm -hmm. being generous with eight, by the way. Yeah. Um, yes, they've probably botched their selection, certainly last week, and yep. you can make a case about Mark Wood not playing this week. Yes, they've lost the toss uh, this week on a really a toss yeah. you really wanted to win, whereas last week was a toss you almost wanted to lose. But, you know, but fundamentals, that, I mean, that fundamentals. Makes, that makes so much more difference in this match than any. Like, imagine if Richardson in his third test match, having not played for three years, is taking the new ball first first up on day one. Yep. Michael Neese is having to come on at first change half an hour later. Yep. And the pressure is on them immediately to deliver. There's no pressure on them when they come into bowl in an evening session with nearly 500 at their back. Yeah, it's like, it's like the perfect conditions in, in much the same way that it was great conditions for Smith and subsequently yep. Kerry and, and so it went uh, with the bowlers who took the long handle when yep. declaration was imminent. Much as it was for Richardson mm. being able to bowl full and move it away. And look, yep. Maybe he didn't make Milan play enough. He, by the way, I thought Milan batted perfectly before stumps. He left well and he plays with such soft hands when the ball is on the line of the off mm. stump. He, he's in form at the right time. So, you know, a, a big tick for Milan the way he got yep. through it. And also how much better would Nisa have felt coming out to bowl when he's just clattered 30-odd with the exactly. bat? Exactly. Having the freedom to hit what, five fours and a six or something, swung the bat around. How about, how about his six jolly old time. point? <laughs> I mean, you know, we know Michael Nisa can play a bit. We yeah. talk, we'll talk about uh, his special moment in a sec, but I mean, he's got 11 and a half centuries at first class level. He averaged yeah. 44 and made 550s in 2018-19 when Queensland won the Shield. He bludgeoned 121 against Tasmania in an early season Shield game yep. last season, so it's no surprise that he walks out and is able to really emphasise Australia's advantage in that situation. And, and you're right. You take that confidence from bat to ball. Bowlers talk about it all mm. the time. If they're making runs, you know, they feel like they've already made a contribution. Yeah, exactly. They're not starting with the possibility to go negative. Can we talk about Steve Smith for a we minute? Can. Because we haven't, and we should have, because he nearly made 100 today. Would have been... Is he our player of the day? Uh, well, we'll, we'll come to that. We'll okay. come to that. Okay. He would have been century number 28 if he'd got there. He would have equaled Jack Hobbs with 12 Ashes tons, right. meaning he'd be the only one... They're the only two behind Bradman, who got yeah, 19. I, I didn't realise he was that close. Okay, yeah. so, so it goes. Okay. He's that close to the top. Um, everyone except Bradman, the show-off, who it just has to be better than everybody else. Ooh, I'm done Bradman, look at me. <laughs> but uh, Steve Smith today, I thought... It was a it was a very Steve Smith innings, but it was a perfect innings. He he didn't give a genuine chance. He had a couple that came off the edge into the cordon that bounced, sure, but he was playing them with soft hands. I mean, Labuschagne was scratchy throughout yeah. yesterday and today. Smith just looked relentlessly Smith. He was everything was in the middle of the bat. He was leaving so many deliveries alone, and then once in a while he just decided to play an outrageous shot. For you know the the one he picks up just a length ball yeah. that he just t balls over backward square leg for six. Uh, the the drives through cover, particularly off route. The the little I mean even that top edge that went over the keeper when they were trying the leg theory field again mm -hmm. and they had everybody spread out. I even felt like that was deliberate because the field was so spread back. He was like it's fine. I'll just get a bit on Ben Stokes and pop him over the top for six. Like it, everything he did felt uh, managed like he knew exactly what he was doing and he was he, he was flawless. Yeah, for, for what turned out to be quite a conventional scorecard, there was a mm. lot of unconventional cricket play. But I agree, it's like calculated risk. Yeah. Even the shot he played to bring up his half century, he knows that third man's yeah. vacant. He yeah. knows, they brought in the fly slip, the ball mm -hmm. after uh, he reaches his half century, as so often it is for Joe Root, who you've got to feel for, don't you? Yeah. I mean, he tried a lot of things. You can be critical of the way that he deployed Ben Stokes yesterday, but at least he's trying to break it up somehow. And mm -hmm. he had to bowl. 23 overs himself yeah. as well. And now he has to make the all the runs. Now he's going to make all the runs. I mean, yeah, this is 
This is going a familiar way for Joe it, it is. It, it's like it's a Lara early 2000s areas. Yeah. It's a guy dragging a team along behind him. And In fact, that's the best comparison. Lara 2000, 2001. Yeah. yeah. Be, be the main spinner. Be the main <laughs> bat. Be the captain. Do all the press conferences. Make the lunch, you know. But I'll make sure you butter my bread on both sides, Rudy. You know, I, I, buy all the drinks. I'm yeah, sure Lara was yeah, doing that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure he put his guard across the bar a few times. The prince. Um, but look, it's I don't know. It it frustrate me. Frustrates me by this point how little help he's getting. Yeah, and look, and that's where it's going to be tomorrow, right? Milan and Root batters, batters, couldn't have batted better together, really, yeah. uh, last week in the second dig, putting on whatever it 159. was. 159. Look, if they had 159 tomorrow and bat two sessions, we're having a different conversation. Yeah. But balance of probability, it's going to be far cooler in Adelaide tomorrow. You would yep. have seen the lightning on television. It's going to be scoreboard pressure. Yep. It's going to be new pink ball, relatively new pink ball pressure. It's going to be Stark already up and about. Richardson, great first spell. Nisa already with a wicket. I mean, it's mm. a confluence of factors. And Nathan Lyon, who's taken 51 wickets at Adelaide, uh, more than anyone but Shane Warne. And about 36 in day-night test matches, I yeah, think, something daunting. like that. It's utterly daunting. And, and, and the fact that Australia have never lost here, that they know the playbook, they know the script, and, and now they just need to, they just need to follow the course and, and, and as steady as she goes, and it should work out if all things are equal with them winning on about 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 eight o'clock on day four or thereabouts. <laughs> the final word, Hall of Fame, the most final word moment of the day. Nominations from you, Adam. Uh, well, you mentioned the Steve Smith six to mm -hmm. the football stand side yep. of the ground. I think he popped it into the to the advertising boards on level two of the Max Bashir stand. So right mm -hmm. in the middle, and I was trying to work that out. Yep. That's where the Victor Richardson gates are. Okay. Um, so in the previous iteration of Adelaide Oval, that would have been one of those sixes when we were kids growing up. They would track the ball over the Richardson gates mm -hmm. and into the park. Right. That was going to be one of those. So into, I, into the grounds of the cathedral. Yeah, so it's a bit yep. of a throwback to a time when we, you know, when we were mm -hmm. kids and Adelaide Oval was a far different ground to it is now with, okay. with shorter square boundaries. Um, I love the screaming jets being brought out to play because mm -hmm. uh, um, they, have, they have links to Adelaide, I didn't know that. I thought they okay. were from Newcastle. Alas, they um they play better. Yeah. And for me, that's one of my, my fire-up anthems when I was yeah. playing junior footy and junior cricket I as bet. a kid. I wanted to jump on stage and yeah. uh, but but you know, I wasn't I wasn't afforded that. Uh -huh. And my other one, of course, I mean Nisa must play. Uh, it's been activist journalism, and I know that is uh, that's um, usually said in the pejorative. Mm -hmm. uh, but on this occasion, um, we have fought hard, Barat and, and I, and others, and yourself, and many, many others who've supported the movement that is Nisa must play. That hashtag, which got a mention in the paper today, by the way, and then to have Barat join me in the expert chair on SEN Test cricket. It was my last over and Barat's first over. We crossed over just for five mm -hmm. minutes, and it happened to be Michael Nisa's first over in Test cricket, and he picked up a wicket second ball. And it was a very special moment for the two of us, having, uh, having been uh, barracking as hard as we could uh, for him to be included in this yep. test team. Uh, it was a lovely moment you, for us personally and, and for Nisha, of course. You had a Justin Langer and Matthew Hayden moment we in did. the commentary we box. Did. One of you climbed to the other one. We had a, it, okay. our, our commentary doesn't sort of verge into, you know, that kind of parochial space yep. too often. No. Just for a couple of minutes it did. Okay. You just, you, you're allowed to indulge. I would nominate the bolt of lightning that not only oh, yeah. ended the match for the day and sent them off the field, but the fact that it came down just at the second as Michael Nisa <laughs> delivered a ball at poor David Milan. Luckily, it was outside the line of off stump because had it been, you know, hooping in and needing, a, say, a, a good forward defensive shot to keep out of Yorker, he may not have seen it because it, it flashed in front of Milan and the, the, the northern skies were suddenly lit up um, and he managed to survive that ball. It'd be interesting to see how an umpire would adjudicate well, it if he'd been out that. to the delivery. Well, I was going to ask you that. If you're Steve Smith in that mm. situation, are you recalling the batsman? If, yeah. if, if, if the lightning bolt 
drops. I mean, I, I suppose there'd be a conversation between the umpires and, yep. and the fielding captain, but yeah, I, I don't know. Has that ever been te- yeah. Anyway, that, that, that's yeah. one to dig into the, the back of Wisden Almanac for at some point. We probably yeah. will. That, yeah. They're the sort of lives we lead. If there are interventions, like the ball bouncing off the sparrow into the stumps and so on, that's out. But if there's an outside intervention that distracts the player, I don't know. Active if, God. I don't know. Active As God. As they call it in insurance. Yeah. yeah. So it's somebody checking their watch and the sunlight flashes into your eyes, that sort of thing. <laughs> uh, the other Hall of Fame nomination for me would just be that I don't think I've ever seen an innings like Manus's where it's got so where someone's made 100 and got so much worse as they've gone on. Yeah. Because he came out, got off the mark yesterday very quickly with a nice punched off drive another three down the ground and then sort of ground to a halt and then after 95 he got out three times <laughs> yeah and his last 10 runs took 65 yeah. deliveries so he really slowed down to a mm. crawl and you know when Robinson it nicks him off and I thought Robinson bowled beautifully this morning by yeah. the way um, really good spell off the top and you're just thinking like well, Manus is going to make 200 here mm. this is going to be an absolute debacle yeah. so yeah. To their, to their credit, they kept their cool and he's out a few overs later. But, yeah, you are on the Guardian live blog at the time and mm-hmm. I was reading your posts and you were in dismay. And I was thinking to myself, <laughs> imagine you stayed up to watch the cricket in England, yes. remembering how late it would be yep. in the time or zone. Or got up at 4 a.m. or something. Or yeah. And you see that within 15 minutes through mm-hmm. the resumption. It, it's, it's, it's brutal stuff sometimes following England away. This is uh, the final word, Ashes Daily. That's the end of the show for today. We'll be back on day three from Adelaide. Jeff Lemon and Adam Collins, thanks to uh, Emma John off the top. If you want to check us out, we're on patreon.com slash the final word. Otherwise, uh, keep tuning in for the daily shows and we'll see you tomorrow. Ta-da. I had to go about it, write it out and find it myself And there's some stories I can tell you That's it for today. Thanks from Adam, Jeff and me for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe. The episode was produced by Joe Koning and The Final Word is produced by Bad Producer Productions and edited by James Hurley. The executive producers are Gabrielle Jackson and Melanie Tate.